Hello, and thank you for tuning in to New Glasgow Christian Church. My name is Stephen Weatherby, and I'm the pastor here at NGCC, a small rural church with a big heart located in central Prince Edward Island, Canada. We're so glad that you could join us. But this morning, we do have one last tiny little passage of scripture to finish up First Thessalonians. It's just a short one. So this series is called Faith in Uncertain Times. Now certainly the Thessalonians were living in uncertain times when Paul wrote them this letter. He'd come and shared the gospel with them and taught them what the gospel was and what Jesus wanted from them in their lives. And then very shortly after, he was driven out of town by force, leaving them to kind of figure things out on their own. Now for them, it wasn't like it is for us. They didn't have the Bible. Uh, they, they had the Old Testament, the Jewish, uh, the Jewish Bible, uh, and then as far as the New Testament goes, this was one of the very first, if not the first letter written. So they didn't have anything that they could just read to figure out how they should live and what they should do under this new covenant with Jesus. All that they had to go on, all they had to base and shape their lives around was what they had been taught while Paul was with them and what they did know of the Jewish Torah, those of them that were Jewish. So, much different than us, they really did have to figure it out on their own. Now, meanwhile, while they're trying to figure all this out, their neighbors, their friends, their family, and the Jewish community in the city was persecuting them for their faith and trying to pressure them to turn their backs on their faith and on Jesus. So that's the backdrop of this letter. Paul has both taught them a lot in the pages of this letter and encouraged them. In the face of the uncertainty that they were living in, this new faith and the persecution they were facing for it, he reminded them of the importance of faith, hope, and love in their church community. He reminded them to imitate the godliness they had seen in the apostles and to follow godly examples and to make sure their priorities in life lined up with God's. He did warn them about the opposition and suffering, both that they should expect it, but also that they should stand firm despite it, because the fact they were being persecuted actually verified the gospel message. So they should stand firm and continue to pursue holiness despite the persecution. He reminded them of the resurrection hope that they have, that even if they're persecuted to the point of death, we no longer grieve the way the world grieves because we have hope. He reminded them to work and to fulfill their duties as Christians, to help each other, to encourage and walk alongside those with weaker faith, and to be joyful and cling to the truth. And then we come to these last verses, this prayer of Paul and these closing comments that they will be homely and blameless more and more every day, that they will continue to pursue sanctification, that they would grow in grace, because the church is a community that seeks to be holy. So let's read these last few verses. They're just short verses. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 23 to 28, and I'll ask you all to stand with me as as we read this. starting in verse 23. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. 
God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a sacred kiss. I command you in the name of our Lord to read this letter to all the brothers and sisters. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thank you. You can all be seated. So like I said, I promise, it's just a short few verses, not a lot left. Uh, Just these final concluding and summarizing thoughts. But as a summary, given all that we know about the context with which this letter was written, it really highlights what was most important both for them and what was on the forefront of Paul's mind when he wrote this, when he was writing to this church that was just finding its feet. So let's begin with this closing prayer in verses 23 to 24. He says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. So in this closing prayer, there's a few areas that he focuses on, and they're really summarizing everything that he's talked about. And first of all is that they would be sanctified or made holy in every way. And we've talked about that word before, sanctification. And it basically means, it's talking about the process of us being set apart as holy for God. Uh, It's the process of being made holy. It's a process that begins when you first surrender your life to Jesus. And it's a process that continues until you take your last breath. Now this is God's will for us. It's His will for all of us to be made holy. We saw this in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3a, which says, God's will is for you to be holy. So it's so clear, there's no room for misunderstanding. Now, we know we won't be perfect in this lifetime. We know we'll make mistakes and fail, and we will fall. And we know that there's grace and forgiveness ready for us when we do. But that does not change the fact that the target that we're shooting for is holiness that we would continually grow in grace and sanctification. And as usual, Judy picked a great song to start with right before this, the little by little every day. Paul says here we are to be made holy in every way, that we would continually grow in grace. Not just in some ways, not just in the ways that are convenient or easy for us, but in all things especially in the ways and the places where it hurts the most to let go, to surrender, and to change. Now, Paul's prayer here is for God to make you holy in every way, and that is good news because it means the weight is not on your shoulders. Your job is to surrender, and He will make you perfect. Of course, that does not mean that we don't have any work to do. It requires us to cooperate with Him, and to surrender if that prayer is to be answered in our lives. But it is God that does the sanctifying, not you. The second part of this prayer is that they would be kept or preserved as blameless. And this is something Paul prayed for earlier in this letter as well, in 1 Thessalonians 3.13, when he says, May he, speaking of God, as a result, make your hearts strong, blameless, and holy, as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Now this is a little different than what he's talking about before. 
And for a little context about what he means here, let's look at his words to the church in Colossae, in Colossians 1, to 23. It's kind of a similar prayer and thought. To this church, he says, But now he has reconciled you by God, Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So it's looking at that, his hope and prayer is that their faith would remain strong, that they would stay established and stay firm in the hope that they have in Jesus, that they would be preserved, blameless, without fault, which Jesus makes possible through his death. That is what Paul wants for them, and that's what God wants for us as well, for us to stay established in our faith until Jesus comes back. So that was Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians, and then he just has a couple more concluding thoughts that wrap up this letter. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a sacred kiss. I command you in the name of the Lord to read this letter to all the brothers and sisters. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So there's three final and short instructions. First, the church should pray for the apostles. And it's something he asks of churches often in his letters, and it's his, probably his most requested prayer was that the gospel would spread and the church would grow unimpeded. The second instruction is to, quote, greet all the brothers and sisters with a sacred kiss. Now, clearly they didn't have COVID back then. And even without COVID, no thank you. Now, that's a little weird for us to read this, to greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. And, and while it's definitely weird for us culturally, we need to understand that it was something that was culturally common for them. And it's still common in some Eastern countries today. Now, wait, maybe we'll hold off of the kissing, but the emphasis here is on greeting each other with love and in holiness. That is something that we can and should do. We definitely should have a deep love for our church family. So that's the second instruction. And the third instruction is a command. I command you to read this letter to all the brothers and sisters in the church. Now again, we were talking about this church. They didn't have a New Testament. They didn't have these letters yet because this was one of the first ones written. So there wasn't even really any letters being circulated among the churches yet. This letter was the first penned down instruction that they had of uh, God's will for our lives in this new covenant we have with Jesus. It's the first on paper that they had. And many of them would not even have been able to read. Now, while we're fortunate enough to all have probably at least one Bible in our homes, if not many Bibles, we should also be taking the time to read them and to study them together like we are this morning. We're blessed to live in a time when most people can read in our, in our country. And so, fortunately, we don't necessarily need someone to read it to you. It's so accessible to us that we really don't have excuse. We should never underestimate the power and importance of Scripture in our lives. 
A few weeks ago, we talked about that verse in John, that, God's words, that God sanctifies us with His truth, with His Word, that His Word is truth. And it's by the living Word, Jesus, that we're saved. Just as Paul commanded the Thessalonians to share these words with all in their church family, we too should feel a duty and a responsibility to share in studying together. Because as we study His Word, we will continue to grow in grace. And the final words of this book that we've been studying, this letter, Paul ends with this simple prayer and says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And that is a prayer that we should all offer one another regularly because do we not all need grace? Do we not all want the grace of God in our lives? And do we not want others to offer us grace? It's a prayer that we can help fulfill in our own lives by offering it for others, by loving each other, by praying for each other, and by studying Scripture and allowing it to change our lives. So this is a prayer we should all offer to each other because it's a prayer that we all desire and need for ourselves as well. So that's it. That's the first letter to the Thessalonians. Congratulations, you made it. (laughs) So as we finish up this series this morning, or this first half, I guess, and as we consider what it means to be the church and to be Christians and to have faith in Jesus in times of uncertainty, we know from these words of Paul that the church is a community that seeks to be holy, a church that seeks to grow in grace continually, little by little. So as we wrap up, let's just take a quick minute to talk about what we can learn about holiness from these last words of Paul in this letter, because the church is a community that seeks to be holy. So first of all, holiness comes directly from God. In our passage today, Peter refers to God as the God of peace. And one of the commentators I was reading this week, one of those who, who, scholars who studies the Bible for a living and writes their thoughts down in books that preachers like me can read, they suggested that Paul uses this description to underscore that God's sanctifying work in our lives is the means by which God gives peace. That that's the reason Paul says that here, to remind us that there is a relationship between holiness and peace. In other words, as we grow in holiness, as we experience God's sanctifying power in our lives, we will experience God's peace in our lives more and more fully. Now, peace is a Hebrew concept that refers to total well-being. And Leon Morris, another commentator I use quite regularly when I'm studying for my sermons, he said that peace brings before us the prosperity of the whole man, especially including spiritual prosperity. And spiritual peace refers to both peace with God and peace with one another, which comes from being reconciled with God through the blood of Jesus. We also enjoy inner peace or freedom from anxiety as we bring all of our needs to Jesus in prayer and in living in obedience. So as we are made more and more holy, and as we are sanctified more and more, we get peace with God, we have peace with one another, and peace within from the God of peace himself. So that's the first thing we can take from this passage, 
And the second thing is that holiness encompasses the entire person. It should involve every part of us, both the physical, the mental, the spiritual, all of it. Now, it begins with the inner person, but it also extends to our bodies. Now, unlike some religions that teach that all matter, including the body, is evil, the Bible teaches us that our bodies, while we are fallen in sin, are to become holy or set apart for God. And that means that we can't pick and choose what holiness means for us. To experience sanctification, to to experience that work in your life, you have to first surrender. And the whole point of surrendering is that you can't hold anything back. There's no terms of surrender when it comes to God. You either completely submit and surrender to His will and plan for you. You submit to whatever He wants to change in your life or else you haven't truly surrendered at all. So holiness encompasses the entire person. The third thing we can learn about holiness from this passage is that holiness grows in loving community. Now sometimes we emphasize our individual responsibility for holiness, and we definitely have an individual responsibility. But we forget the need that we have for other believers in the process. I don't know if you noticed, but Paul uses the phrase brothers and sisters three times in this short section at the very end. And of course, holiness is definitely an individual matter, but it also involves and thrives in community with other believers. And in our passage today, Paul highlighted those key areas in which this plays out for us by being a community that prays for one another, by being a community that loves one another, and by being a community that takes God's word seriously. A church community that is filled with love helps to nurture holiness in us all as we grow in grace together. So to conclude this morning, and to conclude this first letter of Thessalonians, the church is a community that seeks to be holy. The Thessalonian church had so much uncertainty around them, They were just beginning to learn the very basics about their faith. They didn't have a Bible to read. All they knew was what Paul had told them before they left. They were just beginning to learn about their faith and were already experiencing waves of persecution for it. But they were learning to stand firm and to pursue holiness in their lives, to grow in the grace of Jesus more and more every day. And we should do the same. We know that holiness comes from the God of peace. The world may get chaotic around us. It's bound to happen, and it is right now very chaotic. But the more that we seek to grow and be made holy, the more that we will experience God's peace in our lives, regardless of what is happening around us, a peace that doesn't even make sense. We know that holiness encompasses the entire person. We can't hold anything back, but we must surrender everything to Him. And we know that holiness grows in loving community community nurtures holiness and supports its growth in each other. We were never meant to walk alone in life or in faith. So as we leave here this morning and as we finish this letter, I'll close with the same words in prayer for us as Paul had for the church in Thessalonica at the end of his letter. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much 
for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that makes a relationship with you possible. We thank you that you do work in our lives, that you have sent the Holy Spirit to sanctify us and to make us more and more holy every day. We ask that you would help us to nurture this and to let it grow in our church, both as individuals and as a body, that you would give us the strength to stand firm in our faith in times of uncertainty. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that this week's teaching was a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you live in the New Glasgow area, we would love for you to come and join us for our Sunday gathering. For information on service times, location, and more, check out our website at ngcc.ca. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening and have a great week.